everyone, and welcome to a very unique edition of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. I'm Keela Cash, and this is another week in WWE, a very quiet, ordinary, very calm, easy breezy week in WWE as we try to get ready for the Royal Rumble going down in three weeks time from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. But by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand man, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Ron Wagner and a man that is having the feud of 2023 so far against one Rey Mysterio who keeps (laughs) fucking with his technology every five seconds. And I'm happy he's here right now. Now, I don't know for how long we'll play it by ear, but by my side, as always, <laughs> it's a guy that has gone through three faces in one recording. He was salty. He was pissed. And now he's still pissed. Scott Young, welcome back. Still pissed. Keela, normally it's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things <laughs> WWE, but getting hacked changes a man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I've i been doing hard time these last couple minutes, you know, and I survived. You know, you think it's a game? You think I'm playing a game? You think this is a game? It is a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. I, I hope I can stay here longer than five minutes this time. You made 428. If we cross that barrier, <laughs> it's a success. So we're going to count down from now. You got maybe three minutes to go to live through this opener. But by our side, as always, is our extra special guest co-host, an OG of the rap, a man with many responsibilities on Frankie Media, from the Dynamite Show to In the Clinch to this show sparingly. I bring to you once again the OG sexy grandpa, grandpa ass himself. I present to you. Paul Fontaine. Welcome back, Paul, as you have survived not one, but two booyakas, courtesy of one Rey Mysterio. Dealing with children here. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's great to be here as always for my my last uh, wrestling podcast before I head to Orlando and, uh, and see Disney World. And I'm actually going to watch some wrestling when I'm down there. And uh, yeah, just uh, looking forward to you. Uh, chopping it up as you kids say with with you two as always and uh, hopefully scott can stick around for more than a cup of coffee <laughs> it's two minutes and 42 seconds and counting we have another minute and a half to go up to see if we cross this threshold of not getting kicked off the air as we must once again reiterate the standings for the wrestling conference in the nba and scott i am not going to show the <laughs> lakers any more love two times in one night so you know you're 19 and 21 my warriors are 20 and 20 we're fighting for a playing spot right now we're eighth you're 11th we're both six and four you want to claim six and one whatever congratulations to you lebron is defying the laws of aging and good for you that you can be on the show this week and celebrate the greatness of your lakers winning five in a row well let me let me not get too excited because they might i might get kicked off the show again so (laughs) um you know real quick five game winning streak let's let's not let's not lose the lead here Keela. you know I, I hear you consistently trying to to bury the lead here five game winning streak uh thomas bryant's averaging 20 and 10 lonnie walker austin reeves they haven't even played the last three games anthony davis he's coughing at home so yeah we're good um austin theory is the only person winning in atlanta <laughs> 
you know what? You don't have to do that. It's unnecessary. And we have seconds to go to see if you're still here. So let's take a pregnant (laughs) pause and we're going to count down from 10 very soon to see if Scott survives this booyaka. In 10, 9, Eight, Ocho. seven, Ocho. six, <laughs> five, four, three, two, McIntyre. one. He's Claymore. made it. He's cleared. Claymore. Paul wants to be an ass with oh, the it's, Ocho. Oh, it's Rey Mysterio at number 30. <laughs> He's made it through. Still Scott. He's still here. And I'm happy for now. So. We can proceed with caution as we dive into the week that was in WWE. And I was being facetious to borrow Scott's word and that it was a very quiet week in WWE. Nothing out of the ordinary happened. It was just very calm on the WWE front. I'm lying, obviously, because the news of the week is that Vince McMahon who was removed from power over six months ago for the sex payment scandal and so many scandals that have been unveiled since then, has found a way to execute a coup to reassume power as chairman of the board and bring back two people he fired a couple of years ago for not executing his vision for the WWE Network in the form of Michelle Wilson and George Barrios. They're back in power on the board of directors. Vince says, how dare you try to get a TV deal without me? How dare you try to sell the company without me? You must have me at the helm leading these negotiations. The first story was broke courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, and it was a follow through the next day. And it was like conjecture. Is this really happening? And this actually has happened. It's a done deal. It's written in stone, literally, in every sense of the word. Vince is back. And the immediate fear was, in what capacity besides being a board member? And the reality is, we honestly do not know. Allegedly, he's not going to be back in control of creative to be determined. I will believe it when I see it on TV starting on Monday Night Raw and heading into the Royal Rumble. But the fact this guy, like a cockroach, has found his way back at the helm of WWE to maintain his vow that he's going to die in the chair is disgusting. It's not surprising, but it's disgusting. And I felt some kind of way about it the last couple of days, but I'm trying to be optimistic here. And I'm trying to hope that all you're here for is for a sell. I don't believe it. I don't trust it for one second. You're trying to get back what you had as the head of creative. I hope it never happens for him. But the fact all of these investigations are still ongoing and he finds a way back in power, heading into the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw in a couple of weeks, heading into the most busiest and most lucrative time for WWE WrestleMania season. And for you to be front and center of it all is appalling. And I do wonder what shareholders really think, what Fox thinks, what USA thinks, as they could be bidders for WWE as a whole. Like what concessions can be made to have this guy out of this process of being still a part of WWE if a cell does go down because this guy still has rape allegations, sexual assault allegations hanging over him. There was a documentary dredging this up and still he reassumes power to kick off 2023. And it was shocking, but at the same time, not shocking because it's Vince McMahon who never takes accountability for anything, Scott. Well, except for when it comes to the success of a, uh the company and how much money they make. 
Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, first off, I want to give a, a big shout out to JD from Brace for Impact because he called this. I mean, he he called this honestly from the jump. He was like, I don't think he's gone. I think he'll be back. And he was right. Like, I, to me, it's just like this goes to show because not only this, let's also put this into perspective with the Dana White situation. I think this goes to show just how how much money and how much power can provide you and how much it can give you. Like anyone else is seen slapping a woman around like that. They, they go into jail. Like anyone else has this many allegations out against them is not getting back at the head of a multi-billion dollar company. Like, and let me tell you this, if they were some brothers, they certainly wouldn't be in the positions they in right now. Let me throw that out there too. So it's like, this to me just reiterates and shows how far like how far we really still have to go when it comes to people just getting what they deserve and people you know just getting punished for stuff that they just getting you know for the wrongdoings that they've done like you don't there's not that much smoke without the fire and for some reason the fire is not enough for people to say nah I'm good like stock their stock has gone up i mean it, since Vince McMahon has been around, like has you know stepped back into his role, the stock has gone up, and it's it's astounding to me. And what's even worse is if Vince did show up on TV, he would probably get cheered just like he did the first time. And like, I I just don't I don't get it. I I don't understand it. It is mind boggling. You're right. If Vince showed up for Raw 30 in a couple of weeks in Philadelphia, he would be cheered. That's the reality. He was cheered before he left the company on his farewell tour, did not care. And the fans just cheered him. I was like appalled, but it is what it is. It's the reality of the situation of why wrestling is always given the side eye by the mainstream for reasons like this. You can get back in power by doing the absolute most and the stock can go sky high because of it, because, oh, look, profit over people and their experiences and NDAs and stories out there in the public that are factual in a lot of ways. But here we are. It's all about the profit and how much money you can get with a sale or a renewal of your rice fees, which I get. If that's what he's here for, I'll take it even though I hate it, but I know this man and his intentions and they're not good. He's the devil in a lot of ways. So Paul, your take on Vince's return to power in WWE. And do you really trust he would not pick up the book once again to book these shows? Because I certainly don't put anything past him at this point. I'll, I'll answer that in a second. Um, first of all, I, I just want to say, because Scott brought up Dana White and, uh, you know, in my other uh, podcasts that I do on this network on the free feed is, is the MMA podcast. And we talk quite a bit about Dana and, I mean, and I made the point, I said, there's only two companies that the CEO could get away with doing what Dana did, and that is WWE and UFC. And uh, it's it's the, it's not, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's not because of the color of his skin or because of the fact that he's like got all the money in the world, because it probably is. Um, to a great point, but but it's also the companies that they're in because, I mean, we've seen guys with money 
and um, and power get taken down that have a lot more money than Dana White or Vince McMahon, but they're in more reputable industries. And um, so, you know, I, I think that's that's a big part of it is the fact that it's wrestling and it's MMA and it's somewhat under the radar. And it's also a bit of an oligarchy. Um, now, that said, you break, you ask, do I think that he is back to be in charge of creative or, you know, if, if we can take him at his word for what he said and how I'll say is like, I mean, who knows with this guy? Um, but I'm going to get like really personal here. And, uh, I, 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 I got something I want to say, cause I, I want trying to figure out why this bothered me so much. And cause for years, like, and I'm not talking about the morality of it. Okay. Like Vince is a terrible guy. We we've known that for years. We kind of resign ourselves to that when we watch these shows, you know, um, you know, making, you know, treating women like garbage, firing people on a whim, ripping up scripts, all that stuff that he did for years and years and years and years. And we just kept watching. And then he was gone. And then like, I'm not saying Triple H is like the best booker in the history of the world or anything like that, but we actually got a sense of what normal is. And, and he's not, I won't even say Triple H is that good, like, but he's not Vince. And that is like a huge upgrade. And it reminded me of when I was growing up, um, I, it was my mom, me and my mom were to, were by ourselves for the longest time because her, me and my, her and my dad split up like when I was like two and she met a guy when she was seven and, uh, and they got married. And, um, so my stepdad was an, a mean, awful drunk, I'll just say. And he treated me like garbage. He treated my mom like garbage. There's all kinds of stuff he did that was, was just terrible. And I mean, I had to put up with it because I was there. I was a kid, you know. And then when I was about 15, they split up. And I I was so happy. And I, I remember he used to like come home from school and I would hope that he wasn't there. You know, because I didn't want to have to deal with it and I didn't want to get yelled at and I didn't want to get, you know, like even worse than yelled at. You know, I won't get into the stuff he did. But then when he was gone and I got a relief, it was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize how normal life could be. And then they got back together. And I was like 16 at this point. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, I'm not sticking around and watching this anymore. And I left. And um, and for 15 years. I had nothing to do with my mom, nothing to do with my dad, because I just didn't want to be a part of that. Eventually, you know, time mellows things. He probably mellowed out a little bit. He got older, you know, and neither one of them are with us anymore either, which is why I feel a little bit more comfortable talking about this. But um, it, it sounds weird, but it's how like I feel like now that I saw what it was like without him, without Vince, like I if he's back, like legit and running things and making decisions like I'm out. Like, I'm just, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm not watching this product. I'm not dealing with people getting fired, people getting put, you know, not pushed, women being treated like garbage, scripts getting ripped up at the last minute, all that. Stuff. I'm done. Like, if the guy, if the man dies or is like thrown in jail or something and someone else is in charge, I'll, I'll start watching again. But, um, you know, if, if he is back, this could be my last time on this show because I ain't watching this product anymore. I'm making that promise right now because... I can't deal with this shit anymore. And that that's it. Like, um, you know, it's not obviously as serious as the stuff I did with as a kid, but it totally brought all that back for whatever reason. 
And I completely understand that. And I think a lot of fans feel the same way. It feels good not to have this man in charge day to day of creative. There's a sense of sanity that we appreciate every week. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. We would think things should be better in some areas. But on a whole, I feel stable watching every Monday, Tuesday and Friday. And I am afraid as well that we're going to get back this inconsistent, forget everything that happens week to week. The show's not ready until maybe half an hour before showtime because a crazy person rips up the scripts. I feel the way you felt back in 2018 when this entire promotion went to shit creatively and I stopped blogging. I stopped podcasting for two and a half years and I got irritated with people trying to defend this shit to me and it was indefensible. So I get where you're coming from. Will I stop watching WWE cold Turkey if Vince does come back to power? This is my job. I've been covering it for a very long time. I've been a fan for over 20 years. I will always support the talent more so than the company. That's been my stance for a while now. I'll stomach it. And I hope this guy is only going to be here for a cell. He can go home and he can really pay off the next 10 generations of McMahons. And that's great. But if he's back in power, we will tell in terms of how these shows will turn around in a very ugly way, very fast. So that's my stance on it. I get where you're coming from because I feel your frustration. I feel that we've been blessed the last few months of seeing what WWE can be in the 21st century. And I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. We don't want to go back. And I hope we don't go back. But this is Vince and we can't trust anything he says and or does. Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't like, I, you know, I'm not trying to convince other people not to watch. I'm just saying personally what I feel. And you're not wrong. And I feel you. And I think you're speaking for a lot of people at the same time. That is not like a unanimous. I'm going to stop watching, but I understand your perspective and I respect it every step of the way as we transition from Vince and hoping that this is all about a sale or rights fees, like do what you got to do and cash out. If you do that, we're good. If not, we'll talk about it right here on the wrap because we got a lot to say about it in case he really oversteps his bounds regarding his return to WWE. As we try to segue to some happenings on these main shows that happen every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. As we get into Monday Night Raw this past Monday from Nashville, Tennessee, and I have to call out my co-captain, Scott, because off air, he warned me that I will not be happy about Bianca Belair versus (laughs) Alexa Bliss. He told me, pause. I don't have faith in this match. I said, I'm an optimist, damn it. I believe they will have a good match. I've seen them have good matches before. And sure enough, I witnessed a very bad match on Monday between Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. And Alexa, who has moments of being very good. I think about Clash of the Castle. She was a standout. I think about Survivor Series. She was pretty good. And then on Monday, I don't know what happened. She was out of position for a lot of spots. She whiffed on punches that the that the announcers had to cover up on commentary. She was out of position for a scoop slam and Bianca audibly told her to get up for the third one. She was out of position for the handspring moonsault that, that Bianca normally delivers 
seamlessly and she whiffed on that and Bianca was visibly frustrated throughout this match because Alexa was missing spots and being out of position for damn near everything. So then we get to the end of the match where we have some henchmen of Bray Wyatt and these masks at ringside haunting Alexa Bliss, scaring her, spooking her. We have the logo of Wyatt flashing a big screen and that triggers something in Alexa and she proceeds to go off on the referee and Bianca Belair and she hits Bianca Belair not once but twice with a DDT on the steel steps and Bianca Belair is from Knoxville, Tennessee. We're in Nashville and you would think the hometown favorite would be respected enough for the fans not to chant one more time but these masochists decide to chant one more time let's take out our hometown girl one more time because we are a bunch of masochists and sure enough Alexa does not give the people what they want thankfully but we do have Montez Ford the real life husband of Bianca Belair help her to her feet as she walks backstage of blood on her face after what happened we're going to get a rematch at the warrior rumble for the raw women's championship hopefully it's better but like scott now i'm a pessimist i have no faith because i was let down via this matchup and the bullshit finish on monday because the referee couldn't even call for the bell to say this was a dq we had no finality to this match but scott I apologize to you publicly. And that is one of the few times I will ever get on this microphone and apologize to you on air for being right about this match being shit. I accept your apology. <laughs> and I would also like to know. <laughs> you he know, was so quick to hey, you. <laughs> real, real quick, real quick with that one. Um, I'd also like to know who the producer was for that match because I need to know why they decided to watch the scary movie franchise before <laughs> they laid that match out because that match was not called in the ring. And I need to know why they they spot for spot opened the match with old girl versus the zombie. Like seriously, Bianca held her head like you do a child when they're running at you and they're like arms are too short to reach you. And Alexa was swinging like, what are we doing? That was the first sign where I should have been like, you know what? I'm going to just skip this match and read about it because it's probably going to be a lot better than me watching it. And I should have because this was not good. And I knew that Alexa was going to bring Bianca down, who's been having a great year, who I've been calling the best baby face in WWE, been looking dominant and still being cheered. And now you got essentially her hometown, like you said, or essentially her hometown crowd saying, yeah. Alexa, let's see Alexa DDT her one more time on the steps because she's freaked out by the Uncle Howdy mask. I'm sick and tired of Bianca Belair getting bullied and brutalized by little Alexa. I'm sorry, but Alexa Bliss is like half the size of Bianca's thigh. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm sorry. Bianca has been destroying literally everyone in the division. I watched her scoop up Dewdrop and walk around with her like she was just a, a book bag. And you're trying to tell me that Alexa Bliss is out here destroying her? Nah, not buying it. This is not for me. I get she sells a lot of merch. Then let's get her away from Bianca. Perfectly by the end of this month, because even I have turned the wrong corner on Alexa Bliss after Monday's Raw. Like, what the hell was this? I had hope. I've seen them have better matches than this. Hell, even the Elimination Chamber, the last two standing, they had a good match. I don't know what this was, Paul. Help me understand. 
what I saw because it wasn't good. I I'll be honest with you guys. Like I didn't really notice it being all that bad. I don't know if I, you know, I think I watched it pretty late, so that might've been part of it. Um, the only thing that really stuck out for me, yeah, I, I did see that spot where she was like yelling at her to get up. And I, like, I guess in my, you know, not realizing, not thinking about the fact that maybe the match was falling apart. I was just thinking this was just her, you know, like in the moment, you know, being like, get up, you know, I'm going to beat you down again and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and again, I'm not going to question you because I've heard that same opinion from a lot of different people. Um, the one thing I thought that I don't think you've mentioned um, that, that I thought was interesting, yeah, first show of 2023 and first match of 2023 in WWE, and both women uh, bled. And uh, that was that was different. And I think like the I don't know if they were planned, if one or both were planned. But what was notable is that later on in the show, Alexa Bliss did an interview and they didn't even clean the blood off of her. So I, you know, I think that like there's a bit more of grittiness uh, again with, you know, with the old man back who knows, you know, what all, all bets are off. But um, I, I did notice that. And and I I think the thing with um, the, you know, the crowd one more time and all that, like for whatever reason, that's just WWE crowds do that. Like when someone's getting attacked, like they just, you know, they just get into it. They don't even think about who's the baby face, who's the heel, who do we like, who do we not like? It's just, Oh yeah, I want to see some more violence, you know? Um, and, uh, that is, you know, and I think if they were doing a better job with their storytelling, they wouldn't get that reaction, but unfortunately that that's what we have. So yeah, not the best start to the week. Um, but again, by the end of the week, um, we had much bigger things to worry about. Indeed. This was small stuff compared to the big yeah. stuff that happened in real life, which annoyed all of us. But for the moment in which I lived on Monday, I was very frustrated by this match and the scary movie nod <laughs> at the very beginning was choices. I did not hate it, but whoever produced a match, I need the name of the person I need some information <laughs> so I can read accordingly because that was something. I mean, next they do level. It on their own, maybe? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yo, there's no way Bianca went back there like, hey, so look, I just watched a scary movie, right? And look, I think this would be perfect. You're turning into a zombie. She's a zombie. You know what I mean? And you know I wanna, what? The way I want to throw that it? big. I want to throw that big punch too at the end where I wind it up and everything. <sighs> I don't know, man. They may have done that. <laughs> I hope not. But you probably, honestly, you know what? You're probably right. They yeah. probably were in the bag. Like, you know what? This would be pretty cool. Or somebody said, "I bet you won't do it." Yeah, because I, I mean, none of those people, you know, would I think would th even think of that? Like the people back there, you know. And you know, the other thing about it is this: not only that, the person who figured it out online. I need to know what you were yes. doing. Yes. How in the world did did you see that? And your first thought was, huh, that was a scary movie. I, <laughs> I just saw that the other day. It's my yeah. favorite movie. It's my favorite it scene. Morning. How, how do you put that together? Because literally that was on the internet maybe an hour after the match, if that. Yeah, I saw it well before I saw the show. So how do you put that together like that? That's That's crazy to me. Yeah. That was a remarkable turnaround. To really compare and contrast those scenes. No lie. It was creative. I still need a name. 
<laughs> who did this? <laughs> I want to find out. And maybe this was released and I forgot about it, but I need to know exactly who put this match together. We'll find out in due time as we got to move on to my favorite character in all of professional wrestling right now. Because this man went to jail for hours and he came out a hardened criminal. I'm speaking about the one and only Reza Dominic Mysterio. So he's going to be in this all white background room with a toothpick in his mouth and the mullet is mulleting more so than usual. And he talks about doing hard time at the county jail. And he's seen some things, experienced the jail way of life. And he's come out stronger with that gangster lean. Got a teardrop tattoo on his eye. (laughs) And he no tattoo. (laughs) That that attention to detail had me crying laughing because he thought, yeah, I'm hard. Now look at that tat right there, that teardrop. Living that life, that gangster life. And I just laughed my ass off because I love Dominic Mysterio's commitment to being an absolute douchebag character who's done hours in county jail, has not done real hard prison time, but he thinks he's got that cred. He's about that life. And Paul, to me, this, this was art. This was this was beautiful. Um, I'm I'm looking at it right now, and uh, I uh, I just whoever came up with this, um, d- you know, deserves uh, deserves all the flowers and maybe even some biscuits because um, I mean <laughs> you could see it coming, and you kind of had a feeling about you know okay what can they do with this and and he kind of hinted at it in the when he was being taken away. Uh, last week, um, you know, mommy, I'm not going to be able to handle it. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can't do time. And uh, and then he comes out and 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 he's he's a man. And uh, you know, he's he's seen some things in his you know nine hours in in lockup. Um, you know, under you know, I, I just I, I can't even talk about how happy this made me feel. Um, what is the quote here? Sadness is not a bad thing to feel, but it's that cold absence of feeling. That's what prison was like. You think I'm playing a game? You think this is a game to me? I served hard time and I survived. Prison changes a man. And you might think that it's over for me, but no, I'm just getting started. This man went from Sammy Guevara to nails. <laughs> and I love it. This dude pulled a DMX. You yeah. think this is a game? You think this is a fucking game? All you needed was some... (laughs) Who did that? Who barked? Where my dog's at? (laughs) Scott, you so stupid. (laughs) All you needed was some pit bulls in the background, like a red leather jacket, just being hard, like Dominic. With the toothpick. With the toothpick. He should have been getting a tattoo while he was doing this. (laughs) Yes, at the tattoo parlor. To claim how hard he is as a hardened criminal. That would have been perfect with his two pit bulls by his side. I needed that. I need that on a t-shirt immediately. 
I need this in my life because Dominic Mysterio is my favorite character in all of professional wrestling right now because the commitment to this is flawless. And it's amazing to me how he can maintain a straight face through all of this because I know deep down in his soul, he wants to break so badly, but he is committed. And I love that for him, Scott. He's tremendous at being this douchebag, fake wankster of a criminal. I love it. It was it was excellent. It's great TV. Um, this is sports entertainment at its finest. Um, I I appreciate the fact that this guy um, genuinely thinks that he he's that dude now. You know he 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 is that guy. You know, and he's going to come back a different man. But we all know he's going to come back exactly the same. Uh, he's still going to be a little Dominic. I I will say this though, when he was speaking Spanish at the end. Yeah, a little swag to him. You know, when he started talking that Spanish, I was like, okay, Dom, you could you could cut a little Spanish promo and start talking some real smack, and I'll be with it. Like, but uh, here's the problem. Here's the problem with all this. Great character. He's got his character down. He's still got to wrestle. You know, he's he's still got to get in the ring, and he's still got to wrestle. He's got to wrestle Pappy. Because uh, let me tell you this. If he tries to wrestle uh, his real mommy, He's going to get that tail whoop. You saw that left hand she threw at Rhea? Let me tell you something. They don't want them hands for real. Those are the hands you do not want. So he better go and fight Ray because that's the one. His soft tail. Yo, punk tail. Ray Mysterio. Worst father of the year. It's already 2023 and you got the award wrapped up. Wrapped up. I can't wait to see what you got on at the Valentine's Day dinner. I better see a, I better see a Valentine's Day dinner next month. It's a must. And I have to have Aaliyah not show up for that either. Yeah. So she can be at the House of Black celebrating with Buddy. She having a hog at the House of Black. <laughs> Apple in the mouth. It's a very dark, demure <laughs> Valentine's maybe, Day maybe, celebration. Maybe he's going to go to the House of Black and steal Julia. Ooh. <laughs> now, see, Rhea's going to cut him if he tries that shit. No, no. He's a man now. See, Rhea's like, like, look at what I've created, a monster. What have I done? He thinks he's bigger and better than what he actually is. Shit. Yeah, I totally believe that. Valentine's Day, Prison Dom. That's his new nickname, Prison Dom, repping the fins for Judgment Day. Dom is really rocking the prison colors now for the crew because he's the one that's done the time for hours at the county jail. And I respect him for that. But he's playing this to perfection. Scott's concern is valid that eventually he has to wrestle his father, presumably at WrestleMania. If Dominic Mysterio cannot have a good match against your father, who is a legend, we got problems. At least try to have a good match against your dad. Because Scott has already anointed Ray worst father of the year. And we are eight days into the new year. (laughs) I think that's egregious. That's wrong. And you've been on the air for 34 minutes and 44 seconds. And I'm I'm astounded you're still here because when Ray hears slander, he's going to booyaka your ass right off the air. And I cannot help you. Okay? So you have to be very careful with how you talk about Father Mysterio, please. I just get Prison Dom to go and yank on that man's ponytail. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to go get Prison Dom to go yank on his ponytail's mask. Sorry. <laughs> See, uh, he's trying to protect the waves, okay? The tail was there to protect the waves. Because, you know. We have all seen that dude in, the, in his bald <laughs> back out mask, and he ain't got no waves on that bald head. 
you know, that was before he put the little tail in the back. He might have grew some things. You know, stem cell magic happens for hair, too, you know. True that. Look at LeBron. Okay, okay. I can't wait for Valentine's Day. when I can't go back. I can't go back. <laughs> you can't got cred now, Dom. You can't go back. You're right. That is going to be great. I can't go back there. Yes, you can, Dom. You was hard when you left. You go back. Get more hard time, homie. Get the other tear tat on the other eye. And then you're good to go. Double gangster. How about that? Yeah. As you move on to the main event of Monday Night Raw featuring Austin Theory, my fellow AT alien, I claim him now, versus Seth Rollins for the United States Championship. One of the few times the crowd cared about this show because they were kind of dry throughout the evening. And this match is very good. And this is attributed to the selling of Seth Rollins, who made me believe that his knee was all messed up. He botched a powerbomb spot deliberately, sold the knee beautifully after flying through the ropes and taking out Theory with knee strikes and suplexes off the top rope, going for a Falconero, but Austin turns that into Hiroshi Goshi for a near fall. But the story is Seth not being able to really do his offense on a bad knee. He tries nonetheless, and he's using his one good knee to fly off the top rope with a frog splash, lands a pedigree. But then we get shenanigans with the referee being knocked out, and we have another referee trying to make the save on behalf of Seth. And Austin Theory takes advantage of a near attack by the referee or shall I say another near miss by the referee getting knocked into by Rollins and that leads to a low blow by theory to Rollins hits the eight town down to retain the U.S. championship to end the first wall of 2023 I really enjoyed the main event theory has grown on me a lot over the last couple of months really switched gears as a character I can actually get behind they'll have a shot to make it in WWE under this administration and no other God willing because we ain't going back I refuse so I hope this maintains course heading into the new year as he is really a guy that can really be a difference maker in WWE on this trajectory and Seth is amazing in every way I am concerned about a certain American nightmare coming back very soon, how they interact on the same show, probably, possibly, maybe at the Warrior Rumble, because it's going to be a weird dynamic of Seth being a quasi face and Cody coming back as a guy out for revenge on Seth, who took him out six months ago in storyline with that pec injury. But Scott, your take on the main event of Monday Night Raw involving Theory versus Rollins for the U.S. Championship. It was an excellent match, and yeah, it got me too. I, uh, you know, I got blasted all in the Facebook group for uh, for posting a little injury pic. Everybody was like, "You do know it's fake, right? You do know it's all scripted, right?" I was like, all right, I got it, guys. I got it. I got it. Uh, but no, it's a great match. Uh, Rollins did a great job selling it. the The one legged frog splash I thought was a really nice spot. Um, Another little th- little things, you know, I, I talk about it every week. Little things mean so much to me. Rollins beating Lashley with the pedigree a couple weeks ago made this pedigree near fall so much more, made it mean so much more. Those are the little things that you do in the weeks leading up to a big match like this. You have a guy like Rollins win matches in different ways. Beating a top guy like Lashley with the pedigree, it adds something to it. So now when he hits it, when he hit that move, I bought that. I was like, oh, he just finished Lashley with it. Maybe he's going with that now because he can't do it stomp because of his knee. Makes sense. I I like little things like that. Um, the match was strong. 
I do wonder what the the angle because Keely, you bring up a good point. This quasi babyface we have with Seth Rollins, how does that interact with a Cody Rhodes who should be out for revenge? I mean. Cody's the hottest thing in wrestling when he returns to WWE. Seth Rollins in storyline is the reason that he's his pec injury is out longer than what he was supposed to be. So how does that work? Rollins is going to want to get his title back from Austin Theory. There's a lot of questions going on around here as far as that. So, And that's a good thing. Intrigue is good. Uh, not knowing what's going on is a good thing. So I'm very excited for what's going to happen, and I'm happier knowing that Rollins is not out for the long haul and this is all part of the story. Agreed. And even Cody alluded to it during the Best of Raw episode a couple of weeks ago in that, you know, I have a begrudged respect for Seth. He's not trying to run it back a fourth time. I would love to see it because their matches have been great last year, but for the sake of Seth staying a babyface, let's maintain that mutual respect begrudgedly and keep it pushing for now and maybe go back to the feud later when Seth is probably a heel once again. But Paul, your take on the main event of Monday Night Raw involving Austin Theory versus Rollins for the United States Championship. I don't really have anything to add to what you guys said. I mean, other than the fact that um, when I finished watching this match, my my main thought was that uh, like a year ago, Austin Theory was kind of a comedy joke. And even, I, I wouldn't even say a year ago, like maybe up until about three months ago, but when he had that, you know, briefcase and everything. And working with Seth Rollins, and if he keeps working with people at that level or, you know, and having matches like this, five years from now, um, he's going to be Seth Rollins. Um, because, you know, and, and he's, you know, whatever, 25, 26, like, he what he's doing right now is positioning him to be a big time player for this company for you know maybe the next 15 years and he has all the tools that they 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 look for you know he's got you know he's got the look he's got the talking and now he's getting the wrestling and um and, and so like that's you know to me that's you know that's Seth Rollins um you know or Randy Orton um and 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 he can be every bit of that and and in some ways he has certain things above both of them um but you know he's not quite there in the ring yet but he's gonna get there if he keeps this up so uh, it was the first time that i thought man we're looking at a future wrestlemania main eventer here which i never would have thought before i mean i'm not saying it's going to happen but i can definitely see it happening i see the vision as well i saw it a couple of months ago via the renewed heel turn after losing the briefcase. I thought that was a big turning point for Theory. And I was always impressed with the switch of being a guy that went from being a prodigy to being someone that says, I'm the next me, period. And I love that for someone that was able to adapt so quickly to this character switch and losing that briefcase was probably the best thing to ever happen to him, despite the open challengeness of it all that kind of sucked in storyline. But the follow through ever since then has been pretty good. And this main event on Monday Night Raw was indicative of that as he is continuing to flourish as champion so far as we move on to NXT going down live this past Tuesday on USA first NXT of the year. And according to Walker, Texas HBK, the new year starts on Tuesday via new year's evil. So we're still in 2022 technically, but I got to say that the first match to kick off the new year for NXT 
unofficially, was very good with Apollo Crews versus Carmelo Hayes. A great mesh of styles. I love the agility. I love how both men kind of knew each other, trading spots back and forth. The sell job of the knee by Apollo. Thanks for this by Trick Williams. was nice to see as well. And the comeback by Apollo was nice, but Melo never misses, per the usual, was able to take advantage of a situation by avoiding the moonsault by Apollo Crews due to the bad knee injury. Mello hits the cold breaker, his leg layered off the top rope, and he is going to win this match and possibly position himself for a shot at the NXT Championship, possibly maybe a vengeance day next month in Charlotte, North Carolina. Big arena. It's going to be kind of intimate due to them not filling that arena up with 10,000 people. 4,000 be a good look for NXT on the road. First time take over Jason Show in three years on a Saturday night. You got to love it. But great opener to NXT on Tuesday involving Mello and Apollo Crews, Paul. I I love um, Carmelo Hayes. Uh, always have. And um, I shouldn't say always. Like I, for a very long time. And I've uh, considered him like, you know, one of the very best workers in that whole company. Um, but I always thought, you know, especially when Vince was around that, you know, his upward potential wasn't very good. And then when, you know, Triple H took over and Shawn Michaels running NXT, I thought, man, his future looks really good. Now, again, I'm not so sure, but um, this, this match was incredible for all the reasons you said. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, I guess if, if, Broadbreaker is getting called up, then you know maybe that's a guy you want to put the belt on and and leave him there. But I also kind of want to see him lose so then he could get called up um, because I think that there's so many great matches he can have with people on the main roster and he's been there now. Like he predates 2.0. Um, you know he he's I think he started in you know like late you know summer 2021 or something. So you know he's coming up on a year and a half and he's ready. I mean, he's got all the tools and the reason Apollo Cruz is there is, you know, to kind of put him over, get him, you know, working a little bit differently and get him ready for the next level. And and that's where he's at now. So I could see him, especially if Grayson Waller wins this week, you know, Grayson Waller and him at Vengeance Day would be a nice kind of swan song for him and then maybe getting called up to the main roster after WrestleMania. But um, yeah, I, I, I love Camaro Hayes and, uh, I, I'm glad that he's getting a chance to shine. And I just, I really, really hope that it continues. Me too. He's so great. And I'm on your wavelength as well, thinking that maybe I would love to see Braun Breaker and, and Carmelo Hayes move up to the main roster around the same time. I think they've both got outgrown NXT at this point. I would love Melo to have a run at the title, but most importantly, I want him to thrive on the main roster as well as a guy that can really shake things up on Monday and Friday nights moving forward. But Scott, your take on the opener of NXT to kick off 2023, even though it's still, according to Walker HBK, still 2022 until Tuesday. I was watching uh, NXT with the fam and my son was watching. He's ever since I took him to the show, he's been trying to watch more wrestling and my wife was watching and she goes, well, that's odd. Cause uh, you know, we're well into 2023. So <laughs> what exactly is he kicking off? What, uh, what other countries new year is this guy talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that whole thing is weird. The match was great. I, I thought the match was, was excellent. Apollo Cruz is exactly what he needs to be in NXT. And I think this is a great spot for him. I honestly, I don't even think he, 
I think he should stay in NXT for a good bit because this is a great spot for him to be. He's a good person for all for these young people to be working with. He can win the belt eventually and, and be that veteran presence down there. But now we're talking about Carmelo Hayes. Um, he, I think he has to have a run with the belt. You know, he's been talking about being this A champion, and I don't know if they've been doing this intentionally on purpose, but he's been beating all the guys that Braun Breaker has been beating. So, you know, I, I feel like they're just setting it up for him, for at least them to have at least one big-time match. And I think they have to face off at WrestleMania or the WrestleMania weekend uh, when they have their uh, their takeover show. and Because I, I think that's going to happen. And I still think, man, you could get something out of a Booker T. Grayson Waller program too. And I, we'll, we'll get to Grayson Waller later on in the show. But, uh, Keela, or Paul, you brought up Grayson Waller potentially winning. I think that's a, that could be a big match for him with Booker T because I think Booker should be wrestling somebody. Uh, he's mm. too good a shape not to. But yeah, Carmelo Hayes is he he is as good as he says he is with Trick or without Trick. I think this may sound crazy. I think he may have even outgrown Trick a little bit. I know Trick adds something to him, but he doesn't need Trick anymore. Hmm. Trick needs Melo a lot. I will say Absolutely. that. He Absolutely. Needs him. He needs yes. him. Because without him, listen, I love Trick, but he needs him way more than Melo needs him right now. And I do agree with you there. I do love them as a tandem, but Melo to me stands out as a big time star that has been so great in the last year or so on the ring. His promos have gotten so much better. The confidence is there. He believes his hype for every reason imaginable. And it's very valid, by the way. So I just love him. Trick is improving. He's getting a bit better, has a long way to go, but you can see the vision as well for him. But yeah, you need to keep them together for a trick's sake if he doesn't lose the main roster at some point very, very soon. As we quickly dive into the main event angle from NXT, the final heart sell for New Year's Eve were going down this Tuesday on USA. It was a Grayson Waller effect involving Grayson Waller, the host, and his opponent for the NXT Championship, the champ, Braun Breaker. And I like Grayson Waller a lot. He's a great talker. He gets on my nerves for every good reason. But this talk show segment, for whatever reason, kind of sucks. I don't know what it is. Is it the material? Is it the setting? It's very sterile. It doesn't really land a punch for me in terms of hyping up a matchup to make me care more than I already do. And I just kind of felt like this was a flat way to sell this match for Tuesday. Grayson Waller, Bond Breaker, NXT title. Breaker talks about Grayson going viral with the ladder fall at Stand and Deliver, the elbow drop from the cage of War Games 2021. And he's trying to tell people these moments are fleeting, that you are going to go viral for a moment. And you might have a moment on Tuesday against me, but I'm still going to be the champion. And then the one thing I always hate the one fallback that a star must use against someone who might be a second or third generation star. Oh, you're only here because of your father. You're only here because of your father's last name. A last name he can't even use on this fucking show, by the way. Like, okay. I'm just tired of that trope of you're only here because of who your father is. And you're only getting this push because of who your father is, who your uncle is. I'm so over it. Pick better material to ding someone for because it really gives the fans are kind of over bond breaker that ammunition to say oh you're right he's overhyped he's overrated i hate that shit so i want paul's take on all of this because i thought it was an all right way to end the show but at the same time like well 
it was something. Uh, yeah, I'm not really feeling this feud. Um, I I do like both guys. I probably like Grayson Waller a little bit more, if I'm being honest. Um, but I just don't like the dynamic between these two. And um, I, I just, it almost feels like whatever the end game here is, one or both of them isn't feeling it. And so they're just kind of going through the motions to get to and through this match. Um, I, I will say too, for me, like when these Grace and Waller effect segments are on, I am way too busy reading the comments that are scrolling on the bottom to even pay attention to what they're talking about because they crack me up so much. Um, it's it's like it's obviously just worked stuff, and you got to like there's so many inside jokes with the names and the comments that they're making and stuff. So. In that sense, it's probably not doing a very good job of making me interested in seeing this match next week. But I'm also, you know, the kind of person that's going to watch anyway, so it, it really doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, not, nothing you said there is is wrong. And um, I I do think, though, that if, if the end game is Grayson Waller beating Braun Breaker for the title and then... You know, I, I think the only good thing you can say about it is that Grayson is kind of positioned as like a vulnerable champion that anybody, you know, any hot baby face can beat. So I kind of always like having champions like that. Um, you know, and, and I do think Braun Breaker is there's nothing else he can do in NXT at this point. So um, if if this is like him on the way out, like I don't like the way they're kind of sending him off because it's a bad look. Like, like you said, pointing out everything bad about him um, and then saying, OK, off to the main roster now. Off you go. Um, I just I don't know. Um, it's a choice. It's not a good choice. And on top of that, he got the upper hand to wrap up the show. And that's yeah, like a again, like a psychological tale of are you losing on Tuesday? Because normally yeah. the heel would knock you out. And then yeah. I'll believe you keep your championship. And now I don't know what to think heading into Tuesday's show. So we'll be back to dissect next week. Am I hoping for a breaker victory? I would like to see one because I don't think Grayson's Waller, Grayson, Grayson Waller is ready. Can you imagine Grayson Waller being at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina for Vengeance Day? What's the bigger draw breaker? I would guess, even though tickets are already on sale, but we'll see how it goes. But Scott, your perspective on the closing segment of NXT involving Grayson Waller and Braun Breaker via the Grayson Waller effect with a streaming bit of consciousness on the lower half we got grace grayson's face in the corner grayson talking to braun it was just a lot of stuff happening that i didn't care for but your take on it the whole <clears throat> the grayson waller effect is just a lot going on but i i i'm in the minority here i i enjoyed it i i enjoyed the way they played it out you know grayson pointing on all that stuff and i like the way braun was like to me it came off as braun's like yeah you know what? You're right. You got me. You outsmarted me. That was cool. That's clever. Even the part about his dad, he was like, yeah, you know what? I don't even care. I love it. Because to me, it just comes off as bronze. Like, dude, I'm going to destroy you. Like, that's how it came off to me. Just as the champion, be like, yeah, who who cares what you say, what, all your little games and all that. When we get in the ring, I'm going to destroy you. And, you know, again, maybe I'm in the minority of this, but when I saw Braun grab his phone and hit that big dive with the phone and get back up, to me, all I'm thinking is, God damn, this dude looks like a real main event player. Like, he looks as legit as you can get. He didn't have to say a lot. 
but his presence was just incredible do that entire thing and Grayson Waller another thing about these segments is he's car- he carries all of these segments every time they do these segments they do them with guys who can't talk because Grayson Waller talks for the entire thing when they did the big five way uh, when they had all five of those guys out Grayson Waller did just about 70% of the talking and I think that could be a problem is he's just he's getting overexposed this is what happened because I've called him the the he, he could be the Miz for the modern day. And people are again, people are gonna be like, what is that? Like, why would you want to be that? Miz got a ton of TV time and was uh, relied upon to be that kind of that centerpiece of the mid card. He carried the intercontinental title for years, and I think Grayson Waller can be that, but you can't overexpose him. And I think that's a big issue with these segments, is he has to carry the segments for these people because they're only doing them with guys who aren't great talkers. I can get that. I did love the finish of the flip dive with the cell phone. Logan Paul has inspired a nation with that as of late. Let's go viral with me flipping out of this ring and filming it. I love the flipping on that on Grayson Waller, but the material for me just kind of fell flat. And I love Grayson Waller as a talker, but the segment itself as a talk show setting does very little for me and the crowd being dry does not help. And I'm focusing on so many things at one time. Grayson Waller, the lower third, the scroll, the people he's talking to. It's a lot. It's very chaotic. And it's not very good in terms of the material being given throughout these segments. But for what it was, it was all right. I wasn't moved by it. The match hopefully will be very good on Tuesday for the NXT championship. And do I foresee a title change? I honestly don't know because Breaker stood tall. And normally when that happens, I expect a title change on Tuesday. But We shall see. As we segue to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, going down live from the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee, and we kick things off with a very volatile segment in the ring involving the bloodline. We got Sami Zayn, we got Jimmy and Jey Uso, we got Solo Sokoa tearing up shit at ringside once again as they greet their tribal chief, the head of the table, the reigning defending WWE champion, universal champion, I should say, Roman Reigns. And the entire bloodline is in the ring. And Roman Reigns is going to defer to Sami Zayn. And Sami gets a great ovation from the crowd. And Sami talks about how 2023 is the bloodline's year. We ran roughshod on Monday Night Raw. We've beaten everybody there is to beat on that show. We beat Elias. We took out... The Street Profits of Kevin Owens. We're here to tell anybody that the bloodline is the power. We are the face of this company. We run shit here. You just live here, to paraphrase Training Day. And Roman grabs the mic and he says, you know what? That's great. But I want to talk about last year. I want to talk about what happened on the next last day of 2022. Because Sammy... You called your shot. You said that you was going to win the match against John Cena and Kevin Owens. You. And normally I'm the one that calls my shot and I don't miss. But you called the shot and you missed. I didn't lose. You lost. My shoulders weren't pinned to the mat. Yours were. And Sammy at this moment is realizing, oh, shit. I'm in a little bit of trouble, but the trouble became a lot of trouble very quickly when a Roman raised his voice and says, do you want to be the tribal chief? 
Mm. Are you trying to be me? Do you want to be me? And Sammy is slowly backing away in the corner in fear of his life. The Usos looking side to side like, oh, shit, he's in trouble. Paul is just stressed out in the back like he knew this was coming sammy's life is flashing before his very eyes as roman says do you want to be me do you want to be the tribal chief and as this is happening kevin owens saves sammy's life to say you're not mad at sammy roman you're really mad at me in more ways than one in reality and in kayfabe for that eardrum but busting at survivor series but it's really about me roman you're mad about losing indirectly on the next last day of the year but we can solve all of that how about you and me have a match for the undisputed universal championship at the royal rumble and we can end this right then and there and roman just doesn't give a fuck like whatever you're nothing to me it's on i really don't care about you and kevin has some sound advice for Sami Zayn to wrap up part one of this story in that please take your balls out of roman's pocket and give them back to yourself because this isn't it and I loved how he left things for the moment as Sami Zayn realized that I am on very shaky ground within the bloodline. But I do got to shout out the backstage segment prior to the juiciness of it all when Jimmy Uso, who's been my dog this entire time with Sami Zayn, as he went into the locker room, he told Sami, damn dog, and just went in the room because even he said, you know what? You're fucked, but I love you. And that's how we end part one of this segment. So Scott, your take on Sami Zayn getting red for filth by Roman Reigns to kick off SmackDown on Fox. I think Roman cut a great promo. Um, when he went zero to 100 real quick, that was excellent. And I got to say, the highlight for me in all of these segments is Paul Heyman. Him in the background, whenever something, whenever the mood shifts... His face shifts. When Roman went zero to 100, Paul Heyman took a step back, covered his mouth, and said, oh, here we go. And you could see it all in his That dude displays so many emotions just with his face. The Usos were looking down, scratching their heads. like, And, and again, you can tell every member of the Bloodline's personality just off of their reactions and their facials. Solo, Solo is just there, dude, stoic ready to go and just tear somebody up. He's just waiting on the call. He's just waiting on the call. He can't wait to put that thumb into Sammy's throat. He's asking <laughs> for that day. He can't wait. But uh, this, is a, this is a great segment. Like, this is, they're so enjoyable. And, you know, the whole hostile takeover thing that they try to do, you know, the NWO style takeover, that's fine. It's it's fine. They, they're not quite like that because they're still losing matches. But, I, as far as everything with the story and how they're doing that with Roman and especially what happened later before the tag match and that part, this is really good stuff, man. And especially now that it feels like we're getting closer to the end game, all of these segments feel more important because we're kind of at the point now where it's like we don't know when Sammy's getting that beat down. It's coming very soon. I don't know if it's coming in Montreal. It's coming on a random SmackDown, but we know the beatdown is coming soon. But Paul, your take on the opener of SmackDown involving Roman Reigns reading Sami Zayn and almost ending his life in kayfabe because I was scared for Sami for two good minutes. This was so good because, I mean, at the end of last week when, you know, when Sami um, lost 
um, the match, you just you knew it was coming and you don't know when, but you assume it's soon. And and they lead you in such a way to believe that, okay, it may not happen like, you know, even in that opening promo, like it may not happen tonight, but it's happening very soon. And then they just go, you know, and then they did the backstage thing later and and it's like, oh, it's not happening. And then now it's like, okay, this could go on for like three, four more months now. You know, like they're just so good at pulling those strings and everyone is playing their roles to perfection. Scott mentioned um, Jay and and like and you mentioned Paul Heyman and like just even his like, what is it that he calls Sammy? Is it Shmuley? He has a name that he calls him. And like, he's like, I still love you, Shmuley, or whatever, whatever it was that he said, like when, you know, they're outside the door and, and uh, he like, you know, they know, you know, like he wants to talk to Roman and, and, and Paul's like, no. And he's like, he doesn't want to talk to you right now. You you don't want to go in there. And, uh, and then, and then he's like, but I still love you, Shmuley. And then, and then later on when, you know, like when, when, you know, they're, they're, they're okay again. And, and Paul's like going back to the Shmuley thing again. And he's like, it's just, oh my God, it's so beautiful and we have no idea what what's going on with solo like he could literally you know churn and snap and break sammy in half he could churn on roman like it's it could be anything and uh it's just it's way too good for like what we normally get from from this and i don't want it to end but i do want it to end because i want it to get to the next level at some point but i'm just enjoying it for what it is while it's happening me too. It's great television. The best damn storyline in professional wrestling today. Yes. Yes. I absolutely adore it. And I want to get to part two right now as it was before the main event. And Sammy is granted access to Roman Reigns' locker room once again. Paul makes a call. And this is gaslighting at its best. <laughs> because Roman tells Sammy to sit. And Sammy's remorseful saying, I, I'm not trying to be you. I don't want to be the tribal chief. That's you. I'm not trying to overstep. I respect you. I love the bloodline. Hope you love me. I'm sorry if I offended you. And Roman Reigns says, I don't accept your apology. Like, oh God, he's going to kill Sammy right here. But Roman Reigns, noted gaslighter extraordinaire says, I should be the one to apologize, Sammy, because I lost my cool. And I am supposed to set the example for all of us. And I let myself down and I let you down. And I'm sorry. I apologize. And Sammy's smiling like, oh my God, Roman's apologizing to me. I'm off the hook. I'm excited. Somewhere, Jay Uso's crying because he never got that apology. <laughs> In two and a half years. And he's got yelled at, gaslit multiple times. And Roman never apologized to Jay for going off on him in public. But Sammy gets that apology. But it's not all roses. As Roman wants Sammy to still find a way to redeem himself. So Paul Heyman slides to the couch and says, hey, Sammy, next week to prove your worth to the bloodline, you will face your former best friend, Kevin Owens live in Green Bay on SmackDown. And Sammy's like a little trepidatious, but he's willing to do this for his tribal chief. So spoiler alert, when Sammy loses next Friday, this is going to cause even more drama within the bloodline and Roman 
will not be so kind next time, Paul, regarding Sammy failing to take out Kevin Owens again. No. And, and I mean, and it's like, we can see it. Like we just know that he's that, you know, he's, he's fucked like pardon my French, but, but then, you know, they might throw another curveball and say, you know, like, or maybe he, maybe like, he's not going to win, can't win, but maybe he hurts him afterwards or, or something, you know, and, and maybe it's all part of a plan and, and we, we extend this, but I do think, I mean, next week is what, is it a week? No, it's two weeks before the Royal Rumble. So I think that the Royal Rumble is, is where, you know, we need to get some, um, some definite advancement on this, especially if, you know, we're hoping to have some sort of a Roman Reigns or sort of, yeah, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn either against each other or teaming at at that Montreal pay-per-view. So, you know, like it's, there's something got to be coming soon. So, Again, like it's just like when they, as soon as they announce that, it's like, oh, wow. And then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, and if you're a fan of Sammy, it's like, wow, you know, the match is going to be good and, and you know, the story is going to be great, but you also know he can't win. And then it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen to him? But I think even if we like Sammy, we kind of want him, we want this to finally, whatever's going to happen, we want it to kind of happen so he can get to the next point, but we also don't want to see him get killed. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just, it's too good. It's too good. It's so good. It's going to be a tragic day when it yes. ends. I will cry. I'm not going to lie. I will cry when Sami Zayn gets his ass kicked by the bloodline. When Solo lands at Simone Spike, I will cry. No lie. I think Jimmy and Jay will feel remorse before joining in the beatdown, as Scott suggested, but it's going to be a sad day in WWE when Sammy loses access to the bloodline. But Scott, your thoughts on Roman gaslighting the ever-loving hell out of Sami Zayn in the name of love. So, you know, again, Paul Heyman, for me, was the star of this whole thing. When Roman was talking about it, he said no. I do not accept your apology. Roman, I mean, Paul in the back, sat back and was like, oh no. And you could see it in his face, like, here we go. And he goes, I apologize to you. Paul Heyman, again, kind of throws, he had that same look on his face he had when Brock Lesnar went, hey, Paul, knock, knock. That same (laughs) perplexed look. That's the look he had when Roman said, no, I apologize to you. And, you know, it had me thinking, obviously this is not where they're going, but if they ever did want to turn the bloodline babyface, all you would have to do is have some nice monster heel group. Well, I guess they wouldn't be nice, but some monster heel group come in and just destroy Sami Zayn. And Roman Reigns come in and be like, nobody attacks Sami like that. And they'd be babyfaces just like that. It would be that easy because Sami Zayn has that much sympathy built up to where when Roman's talking, if you do, if you're not someone who knows where this storyline's going, and you're just kind of seeing it as it goes, and you're not familiar with wrestling, you might see this and be like, "Oh, okay, so they're good," you know. But we know where wrestling's going. We know wrestling. We know where this story's going to go. And I just, I, I love it, man. I am, I am fully invested in this, and I, I think Sami Zayn, <sighs> Cody's the guy, but man, Sami is going to be a hard guy to keep in the tag division when this is all done. It is very difficult. He is going to be a breakout star this year. I would love the WrestleMania story 
of him and KO winning those tag team titles. But at some point, you do want him to go after the biggest fish in Roman Reigns. Rather, Roman is still champion by then. We'll see. But I love the story so much. And Paul Heyman will always be the face MVP serving 20 emotions in one segment. He does not miss. And I love that for him and for us as fans. But the goodness of this is not in. We'll get to the main event soon, but we have to talk about a certain heel turn that went down on Friday night that we predicted on this show to kick off 2023 last week. And that hit row desperately needed to turn heel in order to find themselves on the main roster. And this happened via a match against Ricochet for a spot in the Warrior Rumble. And Ricochet won via a beautiful shooting star press. And after the match was over, it was Top Dollar trying to shake Ricochet's hand. We got a shot to the Adonis and B-Fab in the ring trying to be cordial. And then we get the turn with Ashanti blindsiding Ricochet and the attack is on. B-Fab is a pump kick and high heels to Ricochet. They hit the heavy hitter on Ricochet. He's laid out and the heel turn for Hit Row is complete. I'm happy to see it. Scott, how do you think it's going to go with Suge Knight, a.k.a. Top Dollar, <laughs> not running stuff for Hit Row as the lead heel of this group? I, I, I'm, all, I'm here for it. And listen, I think Hit Row can be a great just kind of lower card heel group. And when I say I also think they can be utilized for a couple things. I think this can be a group that can be which how you bring guys and girls from NXT up to the main roster. You know, like I said, they can be like death row in that they can have people sign these contracts with them and just take complete advantage of them. You know, they can be like, Hey, I'll get you from NXT and get you on the main roster, but you you work for me. You work for hit row. You're a part of hit row. You're not a single star. You're a part of hit row. So everything you do, everything you make, it comes to hit row first. Or you could stay here in NXT. Like, you can do it like that. And I, I genuinely think there is something there with Top Dollar as this. Because he's a, he's a big dude, so he could bully some of these smaller guys into doing it. And especially when you get more people in the group, it gets easier to start bullying these people. A couple people that come to mind right off the bat, because they're so different, and they would be the perfect people to kind of bully into it, Idris and Anofe. Oh, that's who I was thinking, yeah. I think you could easily bring them up and have them fit right on in because they're going to be, you know, they're not going to want to do that at first. They're, they're, they're good guys. They're with the crowd, and, and you could see Top Dollar just bullying them, be fab, bullying them into doing the things that they don't want to do. And then eventually they just become heels. You know, they just fit in with the group. I think there is genuinely something there with Top Dollar and Hit Row just as this kind of, you know, undercar just group of bad guys that just run roughshod whenever they can one other thing i did notice during this segment is and maybe it's just for this intermediate time for this short period of time but it seems like we're kind of maybe revamping the tag division a little bit you know we got sheamus and drew mcintyre the banger bros which was a choice <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that was that oh, was good, absolutely right. a cho- we fired Mandy Rose, but we hired the Banger Bros, right? Um, and you know we got Braun and Ricochet, which I think could be a really fun team if they wanted to do that because I Braun's not beating uh, Gunther, 
But it seems like we kind of might be resetting the tag division a little bit, bringing some singles guys into it. Because I, I, I've always said, if you have top singles guys and you don't have any plans for them in the title picture, add something to the tag division. So I, I'm all for that, and I'm here for that. But yeah, um, while we were on it, the Banger Bros name just that is <laughs> that is worse than than uh, Jungle Hook as well. I mean, that's that is that is. These are just awful names. Just awful. Still better than War Joe. Is it? Is it? So. Uh, definitely better than Swerve in Our Glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least Swerve in Our Glory, if you look it up, you won't get, you know, it, you True. won't get arrested. You won't get fired at work. <laughs> You're not <laughs> you going to have to do hard time like Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, to quote my co host and my co captain, First of all, see, the Banger Bros broke me, but (laughs) the first thing that had me holding my breath for a good minute was the fact, and I don't know if you realize you did this, but you said Idris. Oh, yeah, I heard that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the same guy I did. You said Idris and Anofe. Yeah. His name is Idris Anofe, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, just, so, just, you just discarded Malik Blade like Idris and Anofe. So, I'm glad you said that because I was certainly about to ask who is his tag team yeah. partner. My bad, Malik, dude. My, my fault. And I actually like Malik better, too. So my okay. fault. My fault. <laughs> that was the first one. But the Banger Bros in hindsight, <laughs> like, who thought that was a good idea? But we're going to dive into that momentarily but i do want paul's take on hit rose hill turn and i have to say to scott that is a genius idea locking down people to these long ass contracts that are totally unfair dare i say that is better than anything the hardy family office ever did in aew yeah that's a really meta kind of angle um if you if you do it that way and uh yeah i love that idea and and like i'm you know, I'm already in my head thinking, you know, like that, that I thought Anofe and Idris, <laughs> Anofe and Blade were the obvious ones. But I mean, you could even do that with like a Roxanne Perez, yep. you know, like yep. just this naive young girl and trying to become a star. And then they, you know, they hook her in or, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Brooks and Jensen. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, th- those uh, two. Yeah, yeah. Or just the <laughs> one. Two interacting you know, with Hit Row. Now that would be some comedy. Just, you know, but get the virgin. And he signs a contract, and then Josh Brady's like, "What are you doing?" And right. he's like, "No, no, they they got us. Like they're gonna take care of us, you know." And and like, yeah, they you know, Cameron Grimes, you know, maybe he invests in Hit Row, um, you know, maybe he's the money behind the company, you know, like there's there's just all kinds of potential with that. So I, I kind of love it, and I agree. Like I heard you guys last week on your prediction show, and yeah, and you nailed it. So I mean, this is this is like if they eventually are going to be baby faces down the road, this was definitely needed. Um, to kind of get fans to care about them. Um, but I do think there's a lot of mileage in them as a heel team. And I I really like that idea. I don't know if they're clever enough to do it, but it, I, not I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about like the bookers. But if they if someone figures this out or if they're listening and hear it and take the idea, I, I'm, I'm all there for it. Um, I, I love that that idea. And, and I, I like the way this was. Started. I mean, you could see it coming, but sometimes that's good. You know, um, if if he had just like shook his hand and like, oh yeah, that's all cool. You made fun of me last week, all you dorks. Um, you know, like you know, spent got your rocks off to calling me a clumsy fool. Yeah, no, I mean, you knew this was coming the second that 
all those idiots in the back. And, and you know what? Ma saying, Mansoor, you're next. Um, you know, so yeah, I, in fact, that should be their match next week, honestly. I would love to see it. This was a lot of fun. And Flop Dollar's mistake <laughs> a couple of weeks ago in Chicago might have been a blessing in disguise to get this crew over as a heel unit. So, I'm glad Michael it's not Cole. AW, though, they'd be calling them shit row. And ooh, we don't need that. No, we don't need that. And that would be rude. So, I'm just glad like it happened. It was a blessing in disguise. He flopped. It worked out in the end, and Michael Cole has smoke for this man, even though he's not <laughs> in the matchup that we're about to talk about right now. But I do have one more nickname that I want to address regarding Brooks and Dunn, okay? So this has been hanging in my head for a while now, and I never publicly said it on this show. So my new nickname for Brooks, Jensen, and Josh Briggs, Brooks and Dunn, is Fish and Game, okay? Oh. Fish and Game. <laughs> I mean, hey, Jensen did get Kiana, so I guess he got something going for him. The fishing oh, yeah. game He's forecast is working for all. him. Okay. <laughs> He's about to get his uh Yeah. His um hey, as long popped. as he gets it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a winner he's about to get some <laughs> well, it is nxt is still clearly horny hour so oh yeah as close as it gets okay <laughs> they, not quite as still... bad as when uh, xavier woods and, and page were there but it's close oh, oh. um <laughs> wow <laughs> um <laughs> do you, you know they're still doing the uh the camera angles with toxic attraction, though, I see that's not going away. That's no. that's a that's a them thing. They said, "Listen, we gonna try to keep one thing to keep them relevant: cameras, cameras. <laughs> Okay, Rocker HBK is like, "Nah, we gonna keep one thing with this crew." I can understand that to a point. But... At least through the new year. Yes, through the new year, which starts Tuesday, January tenth. <laughs> okay, I guess he's using the Chinese New Year calendar. I'm I'm guessing. As we segue to the main event now, a Friday night SmackDown on Fox involving, cannot believe I'm saying this again, the Banger Bros, mm -mm. Sheamus <laughs> and G McIntyre versus the Usos for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. This name for Sheamus and Drew McIntyre is going to be canceled fast. It reminds me of the time that WWE thought they should call Paige, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch the Submission Society or the Ooh. Submission Sorority. And they said, oh, this is associated with porn. We must change this now to PCB. <laughs> Oops. So, um, Banger Bros. That's really a thing on Pornhub. I, I Googled it and it's like the first six things are all how, how does how does that slip how does that slip through the cracks man like how does somebody just not do a quick like just look up banger bros um and i, I know i know triple h watches porn so he should absolutely know what a banger bro is it does make me like now that you know like that whole thing with gunther like when they were originally going to change his name like if this got through i could totally see them just like Oh man, we're just idiots. Like we're not, you know. It's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. I, even if it didn't, even if you didn't I, look it up, how do you think this is a good name? The Banger Bros. <laughs> <laughs> and the picture of them with their name on the internet is them like, like grasping hands, like the way Rocky and, and Apollo did on the beach, as it says, the Banger Bros are back or something like that. Like what? What are we doing, man? This was so dumb, and I love them so much. But who 
whoever did this should be ashamed of yourselves because this is so nasty. And then Sami Zayn did not make it better towards the end of this episode, which we'll get to momentarily. So let's talk about the match itself, which was very good. Now, we know that there was not going to be a title change, but I appreciate drama. And we got a lot of drama in this match with Drew McIntyre being the babyface in peril for most of this match to Sheamus gets the hot tag, hits hits a 10 beast of the battering on Jey Uso. And from there, Jey makes a blind tag for Jimmy. Jay super kicks Sheamus and then Jimmy goes up top and lands a frog splash on Sheamus for a near fall. We have the Usos going up top on Sheamus for like a double frog splash. Drew breaks that up and we have the double white noise off the middle rope, which is very nice to see. Drew lands a flip dive on the Usos and Michael Cole has smoke for top dollar, flop dollar and says, <laughs> that's how a big man's supposed to fly. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Top dollar ain't shit. See, one day, Michael, top dollar gonna fuck you up. He gonna roll up on you one day and beat your ass. He's gonna sign up uh, Byron Saxton to uh, hit row and replace your ass. Okay. Michael is treading very, very dangerously in some very treacherous waters. That's how people get tossed over announce tables into announcers right there. Michael Cole getting somebody tossed into him next week. Okay, because he's not even there. You still have that round of ammunition (laughs) for Top Dollar. The motherfucking audacity. But I'll let that go. So, Drew hits the Claymore and Jay. Jimmy breaks it up. Great near fall number one that pops the crowd. Then we have Seamus hitting a bro kick on Jimmy. And then Jay pulls him out the ring after Solo hits a Samoan spike on Drew McIntyre. But Shame is still fighting against the Usos. One on two. Great battle. Eventually, he is going to get rolled up by, um, I believe, Jimmy. Jay uses the feet for leverage to help his brother retain the championship. But before that, we also had Sheamus get hit with the 1D by the Usos and, and Drew breaks that up. So this match was full of dramatic near falls that I loved. But outside of the match the highlight was actually yes. roman and sammy backstage watching this match on the big screen and sammy has his bucket of popcorn he's eating and he says you want some roman roman like i want this goddamn popcorn <laughs> so we leave the scene so we come back uh, like maybe five minutes later and magically roman has his own bucket of popcorn <laughs> And they're watching the match together, eating the popcorn. Like, this is now a meme. The popcorn looked good. It looked real buttery. It looked hot, fresh out of the concession stand. And they're eating together. And Paul's like, this is just bizarre, but I'm here for it. So they're watching and eating popcorn. It's great. This is a great meme already for the new year. Then we cut back and the Usos win via cheating. And Sami Zayn, you nasty little thing, you. You strategically put the bucket of popcorn on your crotch and you bounce up and down as the popcorn goes flying everywhere on the floor. And Roma's like, who's going to clean this shit up? (laughs) So I'm guessing that Sammy used popcorn to ejaculate everywhere. (laughs) That's what happened. Okay. That bucket of popcorn was placed strategically in Aries. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, Keila, what do you expect when the banger bros get hit with 1D? So, <laughs> what, what do you expect? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is just the most bizarre thing I have seen 
in wrestling with the names with the banger bros with the popcorn ejaculation all of this the one d one d for two banger okay scott stop okay just saying you listen you you again keela yeah i'm just playing off of my captain i follow my captain's lead you led me there you gave me a softball and i just decided to hit a quick double you're wrong <laughs> You are wrong for that because now I have many things in my head that could only be found on Pornhub oh. in the premium section that you have to actually pay money for. Same place okay? they found their names. Yes. <laughs> Crack team for WWE research. Let's call it the Banger Bros. And let's have popcorn ejaculation in the show on the highest of notes. Somebody's kink was fulfilled that night to wrap up the show. But Scott, your take on this very colorful and uh, what's another word i can use this explosive main mm. event wow <laughs> the smackdown on fox wow. um clearly the banger bros laid the smackdown on that one huh um <laughs> listen outside of all that this was a, a great 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 match um sheamus and drew mcintyre have great chemistry the usos continue to make their case for one of, if not the best tag team in the world. Uh, If you don't think they are, that's fine, but you definitely can't deny that they are in the conversation and they continue to show that no matter who they face. This is, again, I I thought the last five minutes of this match was just excellent. The crowd was fully into it. You mentioned the near falls. They were really good near falls. The Claymore has... That Claymore, again, has been built up. When he hits the three, two, one, that's been built up to finish matches. You know, when Sheamus hits that bro kick and nobody's around, that's been built up to finish matches. They did the interference, and then they had the, the Brutes come out, get Solo out the way. So then you can you can, you think, wait a minute, they, they might have a shot here. You know, and Sheamus hits that, that big flying, uh, the clothesline off the top. They really had you believe in because of who's involved. And this is why having top singles guys in these in the tag division adds to it because you believe Drew McIntyre can win any match he's in because he's Drew McIntyre. So great match. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I hope Sheamus and Drew McIntyre in the tag division is something uh, that stays around going forward for a little bit. Me too. Name aside, they are a great tag team. And I dreamed for days like this, just not the banger bros on my TV <laughs> doing the absolute most banging on Catching Friday Catching one nights. D's. Catch, yeah. Scott, you know, I'm never going to view that finisher the same way again. <sighs> Paul, save me to wrap up this show, please. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, the match was incredible. Um, it would have, it was my WWE match of the week. I know we're not doing that this week, but um, they, um, you know, they're just another great match. The Usos for me are, you know, they're my favorite team to watch in all of wrestling right now. Um, you know, I know everyone raised about FTR and the Young Bucks and they're great, you know, but the Usos, they, they do so much and they're so protected but yet also vulnerable that you know like there's so much emotion and drama in their matches and they don't have to like kill themselves in order to to get that reaction because their fans care about them more than anybody else i think and they're invested in in their matches and in these titles so um that's why you know like they can have these kind of matches with 
any number of teams in WWE. And when it's a Drew McIntyre and a Sheamus, even more so, do you believe that they, that they can, you know, they could lose. Um, but as great as the match was, I mean, the stuff backstage was so good. I mean, it, you know, and the, it going just the progression from, you know, like just sitting there watching and then, you know, Sammy with his popcorn. And then by the end, and you didn't mention Paul Heyman had his own bucket of popcorn too. <laughs> and he was like eating the kernels like one at a time and just kind of watching this madness going around him. I don't know how Roman kept a straight face when Sammy was you know, losing it. Um, and popcorn was everywhere and, you know, pop goes the weasel. Um, just, just beautiful. And uh, I tweeted out a picture that I, I stole from a website and uh, you can, you can check out just the reaction and, and Roman's face and, and Paul's confused look at Sammy and Sammy being the happiest man in the universe watching this match. Oh my God, this was so good and and such a great way to end off what was really a depressing week. Um, I kind of forgot about it for uh, for that you know half hour of of however long that match and the post match and the interviews and everything went. So yeah, just uh, thank you uh, to the greatness of these men for uh, making me forget about Vince for a little while. Yes, we greatly appreciate the work of the Bloodline, Sami Zayn. And the Banger Bros, <laughs> you know, thank them for their service to really help us try to digest what happened at the end of this week. That's the beauty of wrestling. We need some levity sometimes. And we got that via this outstanding main event of moving parts of names and popcorn flying everywhere and Roman having the best facial expressions and still warning that damn bucket of popcorn regardless of the situation i loved it and we will move forward to the very best of our ability as we move on to our last segment the guilty pleasure slash of order all costs peak of the week a staple whenever grandpa is here to join us on the wrap so paul you tell me what is your guilty pleasure and the thing that we should avoid at all costs it absolutely sucked in wwe this week well the easy answer would be um the 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 main event thing but i don't even think that's a guilty pleasure um and and i always go with my default as being the um the 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 scroller at the bottom of the grayson waller effect but i already talked about that so for me it's going to be my guilty pleasure is going to be the um the um uh, match that was on uh it was nxt level up uh a week ago yesterday so it's not quite this week but it was um it was four new guys, Bronco Nima and um, gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to forget. I, I, I'm not even going to try to remember the names, but they, they're all like relatively new. They've all had, I think less than 10 matches in WWE and the crowd, like they know these guys cause they've seen their whole career and they, it was a simple match, but all these guys have so many tools that it's fun watching the, um, the, these guys develop. And it's why I watch NXT level up and the match was about like, six minutes maybe maybe less i posted it in the fight game media facebook group so you can search for it and uh just a that was a guilty pleasure for me and then my avoid at all costs is going to be the um if you haven't watched smackdown yet just skip right past the um the mixed tag match uh karen cross and scarlet against emma and uh riddick or madcap whatever he's calling himself this week that was bad um and we don't need to talk about it and we didn't and i'm sorry for bringing it up 
you're forgiven. If we could forgive the banger bros, I can forgive you for this. Yeah. Scott, your picks for best and worst in WWE this week. Uh, so for me, they both come from NXT. Uh, the which you can avoid at all cost is I hate the the segment w- with all the women and they all came out and you know first we had the women in the ring and next thing you know we got Cora Jade who's been picking up cheddar biscuits for me here lately. Um, we got Cora Jade shows up in the crowd. Here comes Nikita Lyons. She shows up in the crowd. All of these women just all of a sudden decided to grab a mic and just walk from different parts of the crowd instead of walking down to the ring. And then here comes Roxanne. She's like, oh, guys, don't worry. You don't have to fight. We'll fight next week. And then you can see who faces me, me, me. me. We're not doing this to Roxanne. Okay. You spent all this time building her up as this great babyface champion. You do that. Just skip that whole segment. Act like it never happened. And they just announced the battle royal. Just, just act like that. Um, as far as uh, my, a guilty pleasure, I thoroughly enjoyed the hype package or the video package for the Creed Brothers versus Inishir. Is that how you pronounce yep. that? I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought they've done a, a really good job of building that matchup, uh, making it seem like two real titan teams clashing. So I, I, I'm actually really looking forward to that because I – the, we, the Creed brothers hit hard. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing just these, you know, the four meaty men slapping meat. So this, this should be fun. I'm looking forward to it as well. And it's going to be quite the battle on Tuesday. I am have to co-sign with my co-captain because that segment involving the entire NXT women's division was trash. Awful. Everybody mm-hmm. had a mic and nothing sounded natural from any <laughs> one of them who wrote this shit i was appalled everybody coming from this aisle that aisle this ring that ring roxanne tried to save it jesus could not save this segment i was appalled by this not as much as the banger bros but i was appalled by this segment as for my guilty pleasure that i actually love this week i have to shout out fish and game brooks jensen (laughs) and josh briggs and how Kiana James came through and she gave my man some hope. And he was very happy about that. And I was happy for him because this journey has been almost two years in the making. And I cannot wait until Kiana deflowers Brooks Jensen. And then he leaves Brooks and Dunn for her. And he mm. sells. The bar. Oh, wow. From underneath Fallon Henley, because, you know, that's coming, too. Oh, wow. I, you yeah. know, I, I always thought it was going to be Briggs that was going to turn on Jensen. Nah, it's, a, it's a Playboy, uh, it's a Playboy, a softcore Playboy movie from the late 90s. I've seen this. Skin Too many times. At 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what can we call it? Oh, Ooh. boy. Ooh. Um, BJ and JB. <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let me try let me try to find like a like a 90s name for this um fatal transactions fatal transactions that's actually really good you know i was thinking i was trying to think of something more yellowstone since they're cowboys but i think the fatal transactions is it somebody's got to make that mike gilbert Make that. I need you to make that, please. <laughs> if you're listening to this show, give me a poster. Yes. 
give me like the most seediest poster fatal transactions and that it can proceed silk stockings on USA. I need, I need Kiana that. James in the chair for the fit in the fatal attractions chair like that like girl is and just have and you know just have her in that that whole get up and have have a uh, have Jensen just on his knees with like a like drool coming down his mouth like ah, like that and you got Briggs and and Fallon on the side waving their hands like no I need all that I would love to see it. Look at us manifesting a movie because of the Banger Bros. Not softcore porn, but you know, you know. But I, you know, there's a market for that. They still make it today. I, I don't know why, but they still do. And we're trying to help this market thrive in 2023. As we put a wrap on this episode of the Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network, and hopefully, Justin wraps it up too when he, you know, seals the deal with Keanu. <laughs> practice safe <laughs> sex here on the rap you know thumbs up and all that jazz and it's the horny hours it, it never it never stops because it's as close as it gets and with that i'm gonna put a bow on this rap right here on the fake media network i want to thank still pissed scott young and grandpa paul fontaine for being here joining me as we discuss all things wwe the highs and lows of wwe this week and there are many highs and many many lows from this company this week. I want to thank Ray Mysterio for letting me get through the show. You still suck as a father. Looking forward to Dominic whooping that tail at WrestleMania and taking your mask off. Um, but besides that, great show. Uh, Akila, look forward to next week. Grandpa Dez, uh, enjoy your vacation. Uh, I hope you. you have a nice recharge. And I hope Vince McMahon doesn't take over so that way we have you back on the show. I hope so, too. One last bit of advice for uh, young Mr. Jensen. Um, no glove, no love. Whoa. <laughs> See, this is you a can't, You can't tell no virgin, no glove, no love, man, because that dude is going to do Once he gets there and she's like, come on, you don't need it. He's going to be like, okay. No uh, glove, Scott, no love, dude. Scott. No. Let's keep Scott. it 100. Let's just keep it 100. I guess that's Scott. what's going to happen. Scott, you know, you today... I open the door and you just walk through and still you're pissed just, off. You're being egregious right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to end it now before we cross another line. Cause you're suggesting this is not TNA. Most. This is not, well, it is now actually <laughs> we've crossed that barrier on the second show of the year because of the banger bros. Damn you. Seamus and Drew McIntyre and whoever approved that name. But until this week, this was the week that was in WWE. Hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully there are better days ahead and nothing too crazy happens. But in WWE, you never know as we inch closer to the Warrior Rumble in three weeks' time in San Antonio, Texas. So until then, for myself, for still pissed off Scott Young and Grandpa Des himself, Paul Fontaine, that's a wrap on all things WWE. Take care. Bye-bye.